0: He cannot disappear. Maybe hit him high, but what else can he do? He can't disappear. In slow motion, it looks a little bit bad, but accidents happen.
1: They do. He's done his knees. Oh this is incredible! Now will come the magic sponge. There it is. No scissors, no tape. Just a dirty old sponge and
0: it's worked. A sponge can wipe out a pandemic. It can cure us all. Yes, welcome back to the Magic Sponge Podcast, a miracle cure for all your rugby league injury issues. I'm Brian Asini. Most of you know me as a guy behind, behind the NRL Physio social media pages. James, my co-host, he's a physio, big footy fan, big Broncos fan. Had a win this weekend again. Finn's lost again. James, you're obviously riding high, a lot higher than me.
1: Yep. Normal proceedings resumed again for us, Brian, is in the Broncos camp tell you what there's a lot of chat about penrith going back to back to back if we had a 9 we're in that conversation but i just can't quite bring myself to get there even though they had a very very good win over a cowboys team that's half decent they're not a bad team and we were missing you know a seven they played pretty well the broncos they were pretty strong but i just wonder about that horny end of the season if we don't have a nine that's just killing it and it's a worldie I don't think we're going to get to the promised land, sadly, as much as I'd love to believe it. What do you reckon?
0: The under-12 strategy of the coach's son being thrown into the starting lineup, mate. It's tried and tested. So, you know, just keep it going all the way up to the NRL, I reckon.
1: That's right. Well, nepotism has been shown to work well across a lot of uh, big industry (laughs) over many years, Brian. So just keep keep that going, hey?
0: Now, mate, uh, before we get into the show... I, I need your advice and I need the listeners. We've got a bit of a, a, a bit of a murder mystery going on here. So I had a big event yesterday for work uh, 30th anniversary for our workplace which is pretty cool. So had a big night rolled in now this story isn't going the way that you think it's going uh, but we'll we'll get into it anyway. so rolled in about 2:30 in the morning um, jumped into bed, no worries, fell asleep uh, about 4 am wake, bolt upright to my wife, pretty much like punching me in the back, being like, what? And she's like, what the hell are you doing? Like, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, what are you talking about? Anyway, I kind of come to, because I've had a big night, and my phone, which is sitting beside my bed, I kid you not, at full volume, is playing Yvonne Sampson and Cooper Cronk, like running down post-match a game, like just talking it through, I look over my phone, it's completely black, so there's no, like, no apps open, nothing. I I can't physically remember waking up. I don't think I was that inebriated or anything like that where I could have, like, woken up and, like, opened something on my phone. So I open up my phone, there's no apps open, nothing. There's just Cooper Cronk and Yvonne Sampson just blasting out of my phone. Now... I can't figure out how that's possible. I literally had to turn off my phone and turn it back on again. Not that I wanted to because, of course, listening to Cooper and Yvonne anytime talk about footy, even if it's 4 o'clock in the morning, fantastic. But, James, do you have any ideas for me or, like, hopefully the listeners do because I'm
1: struggling, mate. No, uh, I, I don't have any good ideas. I'm a little bit disappointed that your wife, Rebecca, was a bit upset about that. I <laughs> thought she'd be, like, more more than impressed that, you're listening to some good content at 4am and just waking up the whole house after coming home a little bit worse than the worst and sober but there's a few things in my head so maybe maybe your cookies have got you maybe there's something um in a, in a deep dive that you've mentioned in your sleep so whether you're fantasizing about <laughs> yvonne Sampson, almost likely cooper cronk which you know that's fine everyone's got their own kinks brian we're not going to judge here we'd never judge on the magic sponge if you've got some kinks there So who knows it might have been something you just shouted out in the dead of night all those all those deep dark secrets that you're keeping to yourself about your crushes that you had on either yvonne or Cooper. both understandable and both i completely am on board with as well because there's I'll go hand on heart and say there's been nights that I've fantasized about both of those individuals, <laughs> respectively, especially doing pre- and post-game analysis.
0: Oh, mate. And th- and that's the thing. What more could you want at 4 o'clock in the morning than Co- Cooper and Vonnie just talking footy? It doesn't get any better. But, yeah. yeah, I just found that funny, and I'm like, I have to throw that out there. If anybody's got any ideas, if that's a sign that someone's, like, hacked into my phone, if there's someone out there who knows that, like, I don't know. I, I just don't. It was the weirdest thing ever. But, anyway, we'll we'll go away from my bedtime stories Let's talk about the best rugby league fantasy competition, James. Bundy, the NRL, and the NRLW are back with the world's first mixed-gender fantasy league. I know many of you listening consider yourselves high-level fantasy players, and this is really going to test your skill with the stars of the women's game able to be selected for the first time alongside the men. It's a really great way to elevate the women's game. As we all know, fantasy sports drives a a significant amount of interest in rugby league. And with the rapid growth of the NRLW, this is the perfect combo. Now, James, I know you consider yourself a gun fantasy player. I consider myself an even better fantasy player than you. And we're both big fans of the women's game. So everyone listening, head on over. It's still going mixer.nrl.com to take us on enter the special lead code for the Magic Sponge listeners, which is F-U-H-V-1-M-W-R, or head to the link in the podcast description. James, it's really heating up. We're about just under halfway through the mixer so far, and we're both doing pretty well. It's, It's so good to have it back.
1: It is good. I think you're making a bit of a run from far down the ladder at the moment or far down the standings there, Brian, so that's good to see. I'm sticking strong with Shania Power in my second row forward with Roman Coke on her wrist. I'm really enjoying that. She didn't score amazingly this week, but I feel like my team has a much better vibe with her in my second row forward position. So I'm going to stick with Shania Power until proven otherwise because I think she's good for the vibe of my team.
0: Mate, the vibes, I'm all about the vibes in the mixer. It's so good. But look, guys, as always, this is your one-stop shop for all things, injury analysis in the NRL. You know why you're here. We talk about the injuries, we talk about how they affect recovery times, return to performance, and of course, most importantly, super coach and fantasy scoring. If you find yourself liking this content, it's the tip of the iceberg, head to patreon.com slash NRL Physio and you'll get all the best stuff you can find. But otherwise, guys, let's get stuck in to the injury wrap from round 23. I don't know exactly what he's done. I would have thought it was an ankle, but I'm just guessing. He shouldn't be out for a long period of time. I'm not a doctor. We have to wait for the scans, obviously, but that'd be more positive than than negative.
1: The two injuries we're going to start with, Brian, from round 23. We're in the Roosters versus Eagles game. So Matt Lodge. Looks like an ACL injury that he sustained there. And then also an update on friend of the show, Tommy Traboibich. So there's a little lot here about a possible return date from his pec injury there. So a couple of big injuries to start things off.
0: Yeah, mate, Maddie Lodge, um, I think this is probably, like obviously there'll be... Uh, people from the seagulls, fans from the seagulls, and you know fans of Lodge who who want to sort of you know know about this, but I think this is also a really interesting one for anybody who has listened to us talk about Sammy Walker over the last you know what feels like two three months um, so Matt Lodge at the moment it's a suspected ACL injury um, and by what uh, Manley was saying sort of post game, they suspected a rupture and possibly you know reconstruction surgery. Yeah, like obviously a significant injury, I'll be honest and I'm not sure, I'm sure, well, I'm sure you probably did see that little video that I put up, like it wasn't a super obvious mechanism, like I wouldn't look at it and say, oh, you know, like definitely an ACL there wasn't a significant, you know, change of direction motion, you know, jumping, landing, knee collapsing in, that kind of thing. Now, why this is relevant to the Sam Walker chat is that Matt Lodge had a partial ACL injury in that knee in 2020. Uh, So, look, you know, it's... I think this is the thing with partial ACL tears is that, and and I I speak about, you know, up to 50% of partial ACL tears is evidence that they then progress on to complete ruptures that, that doesn't have to happen in the first six months. It can happen in the, you know, 10 years after, after the injury. So um, it's not to say that, you know, someone like a Sam Walker is definitely going to suffer an ACL injury in the next 12 months or something like that, but yeah, just an example that I just found the fact that Lodge has a past ACL injury on that knee and the injury mechanism being so innocuous, uh, you know, it didn't seem like it took much to sort of set that off. Just, yeah, just interesting for anybody sort of, you know, following along that whole partial ACL, you know, sprain, guys avoiding surgery and what that means for them moving forward. Now, now, with Lodge, obviously hands on tests are very, very accurate when it comes to ACL injuries. I will say with this, though, uh, they thought uh, at the Bronx, I believe, they thought that he'd ruptured his ACL last time as well, but it just ended up being a minor partial tear that had um, progressed to sort of a more significant partial tear, and he avoided surgery both times. So, you know, hopefully um, for Lodge's sake and for Manly's sake, that there's just a bit of, a bit more damage there and it, it, they're just feeling the looseness of the past partial tear but yeah I'm not holding out a whole lot of hope because of the accuracy of those hands on tests and then just very briefly like I just see a different story about Tommy Turbo like every second week like you know this, like in terms of his, he, he could be back in the second week of finals and it's a miracle recovery because that would be 12 weeks and uh, they, they take solid in the fact that Sean O'Sullivan came back in 12 weeks and all this kind of stuff and I mean anybody who listens to this show who follows me on socials knows that the standard return to play for a pec rupture surgery is 10 to 14 weeks so we've seen several guys come back at Ten weeks post injury. Now the thing with Turbo and, and and what might hold him back to that twelve weeks more than anything is the fact that Manly applied for the the salary cap dispensation, which the player has to sit out twelve weeks. So yeah, I, I just find it. Yeah, I mean you've got to you've got to fill papers and 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 fill news articles somehow. But like twelve weeks is completely standard. That's not a miracle recovery. Um, yeah, pretty pretty straightforward.
1: Yeah, it's hard to see the Manly boys sneaking into the finals. like they are only one win outside. The Bunnies are in eighth on twenty sixth, so the Knights are seventh and 27. So they're one win out of seventh effectively. But um, based on the way they've been traveling, they've got the Panthers this week as well. I think they would be fairly long odds to sort of make the top eight anyway. And even if they make the eight, got to win a couple of games before they're probably going to see Tom back. So probably not overly realistic, I wouldn't have thought there. We'll move forward to the Titans versus the Warriors game here, Brian. Very interesting one initially was um, Chancellor Cook-Clockstar with that concussion and Fide Awaker getting sent off um as part of that as well. And then AJ Brimson with an oblique tear as well. I think that was sort of Was it leading into the game as well, that oblique tear that A.J. Brimson was potentially carrying in?
0: Yeah, so they kind of spoke about him having an oblique injury. Um, I think it was after the game uh, last week. And then as we spoke about, like, I wasn't surprised to see them kind of be like, well, our season's on a knife edge. Even though it's a really painful injury, let's needle it up and get him out there. So he was named, he was, you know, needled up and went, to play effectively, got out in in the warm up, um, you know, to try and play, and just couldn't overcome couldn't overcome the you know the pain. Effectively, the the coach sort of indicated that the the needle didn't really do much. Um, there's a fair bit of fluid on his hip, those kind of things. So yeah, there's been a bit of speculation as to how long Brimson could now sit out for. I mean, you know, that's another loss for the Titans, which puts them again further out of touch from that. and it's like, well, is it really worth, you know, getting Brimson to push through it if we're not going to make finals? It's one of those things, uh, like, there's no reason, unless he's made it overly worse, there's no reason he couldn't try and do again this week what he did last week in that, I I think we spoke about it last week, where there's not major long-term repercussions for these guys trying to push through those small oblique tears, rib injuries, you know, anything around there, apart from pain. So, yeah, they look, they, I think it more comes down to a, where they are. Like, they could absolutely just shut him down for the season and be like, well, we're not going to make finals. Let's just not put him through that over the next five or six weeks. Uh, but yeah, it'll come down, I think, more to a coaching decision than it will a health decision. Cause I've got no doubt that if the Titans were in, Eighth or seventh And they were You know Right on the edge I reckon Brimson Would be doing What he did this week Every week To kind of Try and get over it um, And then Chance clock Star with a concussion I just think This is a bit Of a bigger story um, Than has been Made out to be Now look Every concussion's different We say that all the time And that's absolutely true but three concussions in a season now is, is significant. And, you know, I think there's a lot of, and, you know, I, I have a lot of supercoach followers and fantasy followers, uh, but also I follow a lot of, you know, those supercoach fantasy people across, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, you know, TikTok, all of those kind of things. And, I don't think there's enough people out there realising that they might have to trade out CNK because there's a real chance that he's facing multiple weeks on the sidelines here. Um, Now, obviously, like we've said, every concussion's different, but just for comparison, I I went back and had a look at the three most recent guys who had three concussions in one season, Calum Ponga. After his third concussion, that was his season over, Keegan Hipgrave after his third concussion, that was his season over. Wade Graham after his third concussion, that was the end of his regular season, and he missed about I think it was two to three months before he, yeah, returned in the final series, I believe. So, yeah, like it's, yeah, I guess the biggest thing with those three guys is that they all had concussion issues. In their history as well, so before those three, they'd also had um, previous concussions too, um, which CNK probably doesn't have that major history there. Uh, so at the very least, he's chance will have to go and seek further, you know, specialist assessment. Uh, to see how he sort of pulled up after that. But it's not all about symptoms. Like, Wade Graham was symptom-free the week after his third concussion and still missed the rest of the regular season. So, I, I guess once again, with concussions, I always say, it's the unpredictability of this situation. Like, with Chance, I've only got one trade left, as as an example, and he's definitely, Chance is definitely going to be missing next week. I think, at the most, unless I get really, you know, trigger happy, I might just hold him through next week and sort of see where he's at the week after, whether the Warriors are just like, no, nah, he's all good, you know, like, pulled up fine. But yeah, I I just think there there's no guarantee he's back in two weeks at all. Like it, it's very very much right, you know, a wide spectrum in terms of when he could come back, which is quite concerning. Uh, not only for the Warriors and for Chance, um, and then obviously to a lesser extent, but that's why people listen here uh, for that super coach fantasy side of things. You know, anybody who's an owner of Chance, I think.
1: Yeah, I think if you've got the trades, I would be pulling the trigger. If it's like yourself and you've only got one or two left, you might want to hang on to it just in case you get a bigger issue with someone who's worth more money, for an example. So you might be able to go sideways a little bit more effectively. But I tend to think if I was someone that had the trades up my sleeve, Brian, I would be looking to pull the trigger. I can't think of anyone else that's had three concussions in a season. I think we're talking off air about, you know, maybe was there a Luke Keary? sort of time frame, or a board corner or a Jake friend were probably three that sprung to mind, but I, I can't recall them having three in a season that led to them getting shut down. So I think this situation's really, really good to shed some light on because if you're a fantasy enthusiast, then this will give you a bit more clarity about what you might need to do or what, what you should probably do moving forward. So yeah, good discussion points there to touch on. So Panthers vs Storm was the next one on the slate there, Brian. George Jennings MCL injury, Brian To'o, Liam Munn both had shoulder concerns and then pre-game, Xavier Coates and Jerome Hughes were both ruled out. Xavier Coates with a hip issue and Jerome Hughes sounded like either ankle or illness pre-game. There was a little bit of um, mixed reporting about that one that I could sort of see there. So if you to get through there, Brian, I'll let you start with probably um, probably George Jennings, if you like. You want to go straight to the medial injury that he had in his knee
0: yeah I think the main thing with Jennings is just yeah super unlucky, like you know he's come in because Xavier Coates um wasn't able to front up and Jennings is coming off he had the a c l injury last year, then he had a- needed to have a meniscus clean up, I believe as well earlier this season, then he had an illness that kept him out for like four or five weeks and and now you know he's come back in the n r l and and suffered a really unlucky m c l injury like the the way his legs sort of got trapped underneath. Yeah, just, just, I really feel for him. So, unfortunately, the storm have sort of indicated that they think it's six to eight weeks, which, once again, hands on tests, they'll, they'll be testing the integrity of that MCL and how loose that knee is. So, obviously, there's a fair bit of looseness there because, um, yeah, if they're saying six to eight weeks, you're looking at moderate to high grade injury. The one, you know, silver lining he, he can take from it is it's not to his ACL reconstructed knee it is to the other knee so you know you're not building you know deficiencies on top of deficiencies uh, in terms of an MCL rupture potentially on top of a previous ACL rupture but yeah just horrible to see for him just quickly wanted to mention Brian To'o and Liam Martin. They played out the games, but both seem to be struggling with shoulders at different points. So whether they're stinger burners, you know, minor AC joint injuries, just something to keep an eye on sort of moving forward. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I trade out CNK, to be to Brian To'o, even with a shoulder injury the way he's going at this point in time. Yep. So it's not really a massive concern. Xavier Coates with a hip. It sounded like a hip pointer, but they weren't super specific. But it doesn't sound like anything that'll keep him out for longer than, say, two to three weeks. And then, yeah, exactly right with Jerome Hughes. I think it started off as an illness. Like, they were like, oh, yeah, he's seen the doc. He's feeling pretty rough. And that was pretty much it. But then oh, it came out sort of pre-game, their release on their website said ankle. And then post-game, Bellamy actually sounded a bit concerned. Now, in saying that, you know, coach speak, Ducks and Drakes, all that kind of stuff. You never know. It might not be that big a deal, apparently. He suffered the injury about 20 to 30 minutes into round 22. So not the week, just gone the week before. Played out the game, but then it's just gotten really angry, um, you know, after it settled down and stuff like that. So whether there's a you know lateral ankle sprain or a high ankle sprain there that's just kind of aggravated moving forward. But, yeah, it does sound like there's a bit of concern there. I've had a few people sort of message me and say, no, like, he, you know, it's just Bellamy Playing, you know, playing silly buggers and Jerome. I think Billy Slater said in the post game, who somebody who you know is very in with the storm said, "Oh, Jerome could have played at a push um, today, but we just decided to give him the time off." So, yeah, it's. It, I think reading in between the lines, it's sounding like he's going to be okay, but uh, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of certainty with that at the moment, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, Tyler's totally. an interesting one for Supercoach, Brian. I think he's scored nine tries in his last six games, which is overly common for him. He's not sort of a notable, prolific try scorer. He's sort of bigger in sort of base and power, isn't he? But, yeah, he's yeah. on an absolute tear from a try scoring point of view. I guess if you think he can keep that up, get him. If not, I think he probably got better options with, like, who we touched on last week with, like, a Dom Young or a Dan Gago. I think they're probably got more sound Floor that aren't as necessarily reliant on the tries to get up there into those like bigger, better scores. But yeah, he's been scoring plenty of tries recently for the Panthers, and they're red hot. The Panthers aren't they? So I wouldn't I wouldn't argue against it. It just depends if you think he can keep up the streak in terms of the tries scored there. Cowboys versus Broncos was that next game that we're going to talk about. So Jesse Arthurs was concussion and then some minor injuries here by the sound of things, Brian. So we've got Herbie Farnworth with a leg cork and face facial laceration. Um, then Adam Reynolds and Kobe Hetherington were ruled out pre-game just before um, kickoff, weren't they?
0: Yeah, so I think probably like... Reynolds is the big one to talk about. The cork back for Kobe Heatherington shouldn't be anything major. Even with Reynolds, like groin tightness, not that big a deal. I think just because he's their main kicker and their goal kicker, he's had groin issues in the past. So it's something that he's played through at different times, so he'd know pretty well. But just worth mentioning with that kicking that obviously can limit them a little bit more and make those symptoms hang around, you know, for longer. Now, they've got the bye coming up, so, you know, do they just give him round 24 off, then 25, and then back for round 26? <clears throat> um, yeah, that'd be, uh, like, that'd be interesting, I think, especially winning a game against the Cows. that could have been potentially a toss-up game for them. Uh, yeah, like, I, like if I was the Bronx and, and what I've, you know, what I've sort of been hearing with it, I, I think that'd be an excellent, Option to sort of give him twenty four off, then have twenty five, and then fit and firing for the finals. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. And then Herbie Farnworth, yeah, it was just a leg cork. He there. I've got some images that popped up on the Broncos Instagram page after the game. He's just got a nice pack, sort of down on that lower leg. Very unlikely to be a fracture. So I would say more than likely just copped a cork. And then he had a pretty nasty. I mean, if you've got a got a strong stomach, head over to his Instagram. He had a pretty nasty facial laceration just above his eye. Um, yeah, which that's not going to restrict him either.
1: Yeah, good call. I think so. The Broncos had the Eels next Friday night. So that'll be Para coming off a five day turnaround. So they're probably in a better position overall to to get the win there, even minus Adam Reynolds. Mm. I think, um, like Jack Cogger went all right there, um, the other night. I think, um, the Broncos were pretty good all around the park, weren't they? The Cowboys, um, certainly put in but they they sort of um were pretty comprehensively outplayed in my opinion so it'd be interesting to see what they do in the lead up to that by coming up in um around 25 hey brian so that'll be that'd be one to definitely keep an eye on but it wouldn't surprise me if they yeah take him through there they're sitting pretty um on the same amount of points as the panthers as on four and against um in seconds so I don't know. I don't know if they need to keep foot on the pedal there to get into the top two. I, I don't necessarily think they do. If you look nah. at the Warriors, are, you know, they're three wins behind because the Broncos still have a bite up their sleeves. So yeah. they probably do have one they could uh, um take off there potentially. But, yeah, whether they want to do that in, in round sort of, um you know, 24 upcoming or whether they do that sort of 26, 27, yeah. it's, it's hard to sort of know. I guess it depends on the health of the rest of the squad. We'll go to the Dolphins game next. So unlucky for the Finns there, Brian. They only just got squeaked out by a couple of points there after a pretty big night's comeback, actually. The Dolphins were well on top in that game with an Asako triple to kick things off. Injuries from this, Bradman Best with groin tightness and then Jacob Saifidi with a hamstring concern. It looks like a low-grade hamstring injury, that one, I think.
0: Yeah, so low grade, but still probably two to four week return to play. And then Bradman Best, pretty much what I said with Reynolds, minus the kicking. So groin tightness not really a massive um worry, but yeah, he won't have the kicking to sort of suggest that it'll hang around um for too long. So yeah, um I don't I, I think the Saifidi should be fine to go before the finals and Bradman Best should be good, you know, for the for the rest of the season pretty much.
1: Yep. Bunnies versus Sharks was the next one, Brian. So Jai Arrow with back spasms. That looks like it's probably just a week-to-week prospect, depending on how that settles. And then Ronaldo Militaro was the interesting one we touched on last week where he was ruled out with a, what was it? a uh, Was it a knock that they said in, in the training there or a jaw injury? There was something fairly nondescript there, but it ended up turning out that he missed last week and this week. So maybe a bit more news in regards to Ronaldo Militaro as well.
0: Mate, I don't want to feed you conspiracies. So I hate to do it. But I had two people message me this week saying James was right on the podcast. I know some people in and around the Sharks, and Mortalo yeah. suffered a concussion. And I'm like, well,
1: there he is. The tinfoil helps my cognitive abilities, Brian. I'm telling you, mate. Like, if you if you're into conspiracy, it helps. It helps. <laughs> well, higher look, intelligence, higher intelligence. It,
0: it makes sense if he, you know, if he's missed this week as well, potentially. So, um, yeah, look, we're not saying for sure. That's that once again is too. Um, you know, two people who could come from anywhere on the internet could just be fellow tinfoil hatters like yourself. But, um, yeah, so we haven't heard anything more on Mortalo as yet, but that sounds like it's just going to be an interesting one with a bit of uncertainty about, around what's actually going on. Gyro with the back spasms, I think this is probably the most interesting one from the weekend for your casual fan in that it looked horrible right like if like so many people the number of tweets i've been tagged in in the last 24 hours diagnosing Arrow with like a herniated slipped you know blown apart disc that's going to need surgery and he's going to be out for 12 months and like all this stuff and i think it's what we spoke about who do we speak uh read marnie the other the other week just about like disc right, yeah. and you yeah. know those kind of things and They're not all the death sentence and and there will be people listening and I, I will see probably five or six of them tomorrow who come in with really, really nasty cases of acute lower back pain, like really, really horrible, super debilitating, nine to 10 out of 10 pain on the pain scale, you know, just horrible, horrible stuff. But the thing is, is the majority of those will not be involved with, you know, disc herniation, surgery you know, injections, long recovery periods, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and that's whether you're an everyday person or you're a professional athlete um, and that's not to you know down downplay what some people out there listening will have experienced with you know issues in their backs there i have some patients on my list who are dealing with back pain 12 weeks after it started you know so and and, and even longer and people who have herniations and, and need surgery and stuff like that but it is the the minority is, um, is you know, in, in those cases. And particularly with Arrow, it wasn't a major, you know, mechanism of injury. He just kind of got twisted as he was making a tackle. Um, the Souths don't seem really concerned at all. I think that was probably the big thing for me is, I, like, I probably wasn't. And you can go with coach speak again here. But if, if they kind of came out and said, oh, look, you know, he's gone straight to hospital. You know, he's getting ranked neurological problems you know numbness you know can't feel his legs like lost control coordination all that kind of stuff if if that was the case then i would be on here having a totally different discussion with you james i'd be like this could be something really really serious i'm quite concerned but uh, like you see it and as i said whether it be in professional athletes or you know everyday people you can have nine out of ten back pain like 10 out of 10 back pain be absolutely horrible but pull up relatively quickly now that's not to say that he'll definitely play next week like it can it can be stiff enough and sore enough that he could miss two weeks three weeks but it's it's very unlikely to cost him like you know ages and ages um, if it does then he was in the minority for sure um, especially as somebody who works in hospital and deals with this kind of stuff all the time I'm sure you'd have similar insight.
1: Yeah, you do see it a lot, especially if you're dealing with like that ED cohort, the people that present through emergency with acute back pain, a lot of times atraumatic as well. So sometimes very low mechanism. You know, sometimes people just wake up with pain with no underlying sort of cause for it. Obviously, distressing because your pain levels are very, very high. But I guess the the really difficult thing when you're going to ED, they're trying to rule out um, is there significant neurological pathology? Is it broken or. Is it a cancer or is it infection and if you rule out most of those nasty ones then unfortunately they sort of say well it's pain relief keep it moving keep walking keep doing what you can and let the natural history progress to what it was which i think for a lot of people is sometimes difficult to hear disappointing to hear that there's not really a fix for it it's sort of just this isn't a sinister thing that we need to intervene on and we need to keep you in here for it's just a case of you've just got to see how it goes it's um that's where ED is really hard with back pain, mate, because it's not going to be a very useful thing for 99.9% of the population unless you've got any of those, yeah, like you said, those very, very, very rare underlying um, sinister things. And the most common ones that we would see in that setting would be, you know, fracture is your most common one. And they're probably way more common in the elderly, really significant osteoporosis from a high mechanism type injury for motor vehicle accidents, those sort of things. So they're the more common ones. But then your you know, your cancers and your infective sources are super rare. They're just not very common. And again, they sort of have a bit more of a history behind them that makes sense that way. So yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky. But I think like you said to your point with gyro is probably not gonna be a huge amount of time or, you know, something that's gonna be a season-ender for him by any stretch of the means, hey, I think he's, he's it just leaves in him and around it. Yeah,
0: it just leaves him susceptible to aggravation over the next, you know, four to six weeks. So, you know, potentially yeah. he comes back in two weeks, but he could get bent the wrong way and flare it up again. Mm. Um, you know, that that's probably the biggest thing is it, it, you'd expect, you wouldn't expect to see him out for several weeks, but then you'd yeah. just be wary about, oh, you know, if, if he gets bent the wrong way, it could really flare it up again.
1: Just on Jayara here, Brian, I've just got an interesting little side note to make. This isn't a conspiracy, by the way. I'll caveat with that. But the Bunnies have done quite a lot of travel of late. So they obviously had the Perth game. They did have the Broncos on the sunny coast. And they also did Tamworth last week for the Tigers. So they went sunny coast, Tamworth, Perth. So that's, a, that's quite a decent amount of travel um you know especially like just to, like they're a sydney based team as well so they're probably going to have less trouble than some of the other teams that live you know regionally as well so i just think that's an interesting sort of side note there that you know, maybe the travel factor there is a bit more of a contributor to even just exacerbations of back pain as well. You sometimes see it with people, don't you? Long-haul flights, um, more more travel here, more travel there. Um, just those prolonged static positions can be just problematic from a back point of view. So I wonder if that's sort of part of the picture there for Gyarrow maybe with the um, the extensive travel perhaps, But you know, just something I thought was interesting when I was looking at what the bunnies have done recently, home. Yeah, well, I think
0: they've got a couple of trips ahead too um like i you know they were i even Demetrio said in the post-match you know the flight home from perth is going to be a bit of a bugger for arrow and then i think they've got to go to Cairns. oh they're
1: cans next yeah week, like right.
0: I, yeah so i think that so they're
1: cans yeah. and they're, and then newcastle so yeah. not, they don't have a home like sydney based game until around 20 Oh, they're by around 26 aren't yeah. they
0: so, yeah, so it's one so of those things, be... yeah. But th- once again, they're mm-hmm. on the precipice, mate. Like, they need to win games. Yeah, so, absolutely. you know, um, and, and they've got Tavita Totola, who, um, for anybody interested, and this is patrons as well, because I, I, I kind of was trying to find out more on him. I, I got told a neck injury, but I have found out today that Totola is out for at least another couple of weeks with a minor knee procedure. So, I had a minor knee surgery. And then Hame He's out as well with something that Souths have not said anything about. So, that yeah, they're running low on troops. So yeah, they're they're gonna just suspended need... as
1: well. He just yeah. got oh, three weeks. Oh,
0: huge. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. mate, yeah. they're going to need Arrow back as soon as humanly possible. I mean, a flight to Cairns isn't going to help back spasms. But, yeah, it's nah. they're, they're going to be working hard on him
1: this week. Especially from Perth as well, just a just a little bit extra, just to the West Coast. For, um, I don't Jio, who, so who,
0: who teed that up for the poor old rabbits. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. that's rough.
1: You'd want to be in, you'd want rusty to get you in business, wouldn't you? For for all intents charter, and purposes, I think you want business. Mate. Yeah, oh yeah, you'd want business regardless, but especially in that scenario. So anyway, good luck to Jayaro getting him back out there. He was versus versus the Dragon, so Moses Suli ruled out pre-game with a calf injury, then Francis Mollo with concussion out of this one, Brian. They're the two we've got listed here. Any other updates in those spaces?
0: No, not really, mate. Just I think Sully's a minor calf so one to three weeks usually, but apart from that we yep. know with concussions.
1: Yep, last game of the round was Raiders v. Tigers. Dane Laurie concussion. Charlie Staines had a hamstring concern and said Chris did as well, Brian. Do we know much about hamstring grades there for those two guys?
0: Yeah, I think both uh, supposedly minor. Uh, So, yeah, and both of them outside backs rely on that top-end speed pretty heavily, so I'd be surprised to see them front up again next week. So expecting kind of a two to four week for both of them unless scans come back worse than expected.
1: Yep, very good. That's the wrap for the injuries then, Brian. So we might head straight into the Patreon questions. So we'll go patreon.com forward slash NRL physio. That's what you need to get onto to get all the in-depth answers you want for injuries, for super coach purposes, for general chat, for your spiritual well-being. If you want to talk about Yvonne Sampson and Cooper Cronk wrapping up the footy at 4am, I'm sure Brian's game if you get on Patreon there and talk to him about that stuff as well. First question comes in, Brian. So can you explain how Connelly Lemuelu was able to play this week for the Dolphins?
0: Mate, that was a very interesting one. Got a lot of questions on that. Um, I will say sort of what I have been told by a few different people is effectively uh, Lemuelu came off last week after copying a bit of a blow to the chin, uh, was un- – was put under initially as like a, yep, let's bring him off for a HIA. The independent doctor reviewed the footage and deemed it Category 1. So they said, yep, Category 1 because uh, Lemuelu's arms went up sort of towards the sky as he was lying on his back, um, which is that, classic what we call tonic posture or looked like the classic tonic posture where the arms go stiff or the legs can go stiff and that that kind of thing. Um, but the Dolphins put him through a HIA. They reviewed the footage themselves and they said that the arms up in the air, I believe they said was because they had strapped both of his shoulders and that's why his um, arms went up in the air. And then they said that the HIA, he passed. They believed that it wasn't a significant blow. So effectively what the Dolphins had said was they didn't believe it was a concussion and the independent doctor believed it it was a category one, which meant that he couldn't return. So it's similar process to the Tommy Turbo one from earlier in the season, which is then it's gone to the NRL. The Dolphins have said, "Well, we don't think it was a concussion, even though it was deemed category one." The NRL has, by you know, all intents and purposes, signed off on that, and that's how he played this week. Look, we won't dive too much into the ins and outs of you know getting ourselves in trouble about trying to diagnose people um, from TV screens. The one thing I will say which we've spoken about again James and it just further reaffirms it. I just don't like I really struggle with the role of the independent doctor here because I'm like if the if the independent doctor is independent and has any like I know he had the power to keep Lemuelu from returning that day and I like I think I completely get that and and that is definitely a, a powerful role to play is that you have someone there who is like no I don't want this guy returning today so yes that role is fulfilled but with this whole like and we've had a problem with category ones and category twos being treated differently and you know all this kind of stuff like I I just think if if an independent doctor has, you know, seen enough... Because Category 1s, once again, are, in all other sporting leagues, clear signs of concussion, and they are diagnostic of concussion. So I just, yeah, I just... I'm repeating myself from whatever podcast it was with Tommy Turbo earlier in the season and for all those manly conspiracy theorists who said that I was just doing that because Manly was playing the Dolphins the next week here is a Dolphins player in the same situation <laughs> and I am just as critical I am equally yeah. as critical um of the whole situation of like what what is the like you know what is the point I I just don't see Yeah, as I said, I know they have that game day role, but I just feel like the whole independent doctor thing has been a bit oversold because I just don't think, like, fobbing off sort of what they feel about signs that are obvious are said to be obvious signs of concussion and supposedly it's only supposed to be rare like we, we, we were told you know it's only very rare that something is deemed category one and it di- isn't diagnosed a concussion we've had two already this season like you know two in a season is not uh, like yeah. i wouldn't consider that overly rare i think well, for that to happen two about, times I'm, already. I'm
1: sure there was more there as well i think Charms earlier in the year was one as well i'm sure ellie katoa and Liam Martin was a bit murky as well, wasn't it? There's a few scenarios that I, I'm just not super clear on, just with how the NRL has written the guidelines, with how the independent doctor fits into it compared to the team doctor. Um, so I, I just, yeah, I'm a little bit perplexed as to sort of how that role goes. And I think, you know, if you're an independent doctor and you're making that clinical decision, you know, I, is there more? Is there value to having that person there or not? Does it have to be NRL appointed? I, I, I don't. I don't. Well, they are NRL appointed, so. I, I don't know. I don't know how you clear that up and make it better for the seasons moving forward. Maybe you need to have more strict, um, more stricter governance or something to do with that when a clinical decision's made. Because a, a good example of um, you know, the the category one symptoms and diagnosis and concussion. One of our good mates who is a doctor. He works in emergency now, so he did confraternity shield recently for um the the me- the males and females. So. It was interesting he had footage of this game with um one of the females having like clear category one symptoms but it was getting um you know the right act read to him by this the team's manager saying no this girl's fine there's nothing wrong literally pulled the video up and it's clear as day she is concussed like crystal clear and he's like this is a cat one symptom this is what they are like there's no way this girl's going back on the field. There's just absolutely no way I'm going to do that. So he said for him, it was quite good because it's like, well, they have a general unseen of what Cat 1 symptoms are. You go to a video and anyone can tell what category 1 symptoms are. He's like, even, you know, this manager of this team, because everyone's just like, no, she's fine. She said she's fine. He's like, well, here's the footage of it. And they're like, oh, actually, no, she's not fine. So he's, he's like, it was good for me in that scenario because he's like, no way I'm going to let this person go back out on the field when that is exactly how led to her coming off the field to get assessed. Because you're like, you know, I'm not a specialist in concussion as, as such. He's like, I understand the guidelines and what they're trying to achieve. But when you can go back to the video and you can you can sort of put the protection up for, you know, those younger sort of high school-age players uh, for Confro, which you would have played as well in, in your junior footy heyday there, Brian. So he said it was good for him from that point of view. But I, I like your points about the independent doctor as well. I, I completely agree. So... Um, any other comments on on that sort of space, Brian? I think we've sort of tickled yeah, the big ticket items there, haven't we?
0: The only thing I would say is that I understand the argument, or not the argument the, the point that is made against independent doctors performing the HIAs in that you like it's <clears throat> it's beneficial for club doctors who know the players, who know their behaviours, know their personalities, all that kind of stuff, to not perform that. You know that actual h i a assessment in the sheds where you 're you know testing cognition and recall and balance and you know all that kind of stuff it 's great to have a club doctor doing that because they they are with the players week in week out they know their players. But something like a Category 1 symptom, it like it's very, very rare that you'd have to know the player to be able to discern between a Category 1 and Category 2. Like Category 1, as you said, and how I've had it described to me by many health professionals who work at the top level, so not just, you know, regular Joes like us, um, they've said that the whole point of Category 1 is that mums and dads sitting on the couch can be like, oh, yep, that's the checklist that is what they've done and you know that's considered a concussion so yeah anyway i like i don't think it's going to change anytime soon but this is just our weekly uh, voice we haven't voiced our frustration yeah. at it in a while so
1: well, it's been a while hopefully next year there's a, there's a bit more I hate using the word consistency around. Oh, I use consistency. Hopefully there's just just better guidelines around that and the clubs have all agreed to those things and they go into the season with a clear set of expectations about what entails um, with an independent doctor or not independent doctor with a team or not team and we can all just move on and um, get on with it. Second question from Patreon here, Brian, is about Corey Harawira Naira. Is there any updates on him after he has been sitting out for a few weeks now after seizures? Hey, it must be... God, it feels like five or six weeks ago. Oh, now. Is that about the ballpark with him? Yeah, it?
0: probably eight, eight, eight or nine weeks so far. Weeks, he was yeah, initially yeah. expected to just miss four weeks. Look, I'll say here... Like obviously, it's a very sensitive situation. Um, I haven't heard anything that he's on the precipice of returning. The the few whispers that I've heard here and there have more been around like potentially season over, um, you know those kind of things. So nothing concrete. And and once again, it is a sensitive situation. So I won't go you know down the rabbit hole of talking about rumors that I've heard and all that kind of stuff. But generally, the vibe that I'm getting is that it's it's more later rather than sooner. In in terms of his uh, return date.
1: Yeah, good stuff there, Brian. Question number three, this is a big one. I wasn't able to make it down to Sunshine Coast Stadium this Saturday to see Ryan and get 40 minutes in for the Mighty Falcons how, do, how Have you seen much about his return and what did you make of it?
0: Mate, I was stinging today, uh, obviously, with a big night last night um, to celebrate. But something that got me through was sitting down and watching Pappy run around. Uh, watched the whole first half on uh, the great uh, Q+ TV, which is well yes, worth very the investment. Good. Queensland very Cup, good. some of the best stuff you'll ever do. Um, but, yeah, look... like he looked about as good as you could hope for a guy coming back from 14 months, you know, or sorry, 13 months out of the game. You know, we know what he's been through, all that kind of stuff. Like, he wasn't the old pappy. Like, he wasn't, you know, back to his barnstorming, tackle-busting, you know, top-speed best. But considering how long he's had out of the game and how recently, like, if you think back six you know, even six, seven weeks ago, it, he posted an update of like, "Oh, I've had a really, you know, crappy month where it's just been really frustrating." I'm almost at the same point at the end of this month that I was at the start of this month. That's like six weeks ago, and now he's out there. You know, d- he didn't look out of place. He he played really well, laid on a try. I, like to be honest with you, for me, it was more like he probably had, you know, like he's obviously got some some ways to go to get that performance back so that top end speed that tackle busting that bursting through contact that kind of thing but also timing stuff as well i think um which will come with 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 uh game game time over the next few weeks i still wouldn't expect him back you know in the NRL next week potentially even the week after i'm thinking somewhere around that, round 26, round 27, if he keeps building from there. Uh, But, yeah, it was just, I think, overall, the way I'd summarise it, it it was as good as you could have hoped for. Like, I would not have expected any better than what he did, which is, you know, that's fantastic.
1: I think one of the other things to consider there, Brian, is, you know, if someone comes back from a serious injury and you just notice a dip, you you really notice a big dip. I just didn't have that same vibe today. I think it was really encouraging. I I was really good to see... Um, didn't seem obviously hampered by it, and and I don't know how he pulled up obviously after forty minutes of game time, but hopefully for him it's he went well from that point of view. But he, I guess you can cast your mind back to a few people I know we talked off air. I remember when Jarrell came back from his ankle, and you saw him trying to get across the park, and you just went, oh man, it's yeah, not really looking good. real good here. Even like Sean Fensom after he had his you know major leg injuries as well. Like there's a few players you can just recall from like those big traumatic injuries. That You see him on the field the next year and you think, oh, it doesn't quite look the same, which is to be expected. But then I guess if a lot of those guys just lose a little bit, then, yeah, it can really, really affect them um, from from a week-to-week and year-to-year perspective as well. But I thought it was pretty encouraging. So, yeah, good to see you, Ryan Pabnez, and all the best for him moving forward, I think, um, for those games. Hopefully more on the Sunshine Coast that I can get along to, which wouldn't be on the Sunday. I'll go to Bash Up Park. Sunday
0: games? Yeah, Bash Up Park next week. I think it's on a Saturday, so I'm hoping to take Isabel, my daughter,
1: which would be good. All right. Well, I I might have to call in some favours there so I can get there on a Saturday because I'm I'm a long shot as it stands. Last question from Patreon, Brian, is about any concerns about the strapping that Ruben Garrick had around his calf?
0: Yeah. So it more looked like actually around his shin. So he had like strapping that went around the calf obviously, but, uh, he had almost like shin pads, like soccer shin pads sort of around the front of his shin. So usually that's to protect probably one of two things, either a, like a cork, like a bad cork of the the lower leg or a a laceration, a cut, you know, these had stitched up and and whatever, and, and needs to protect it. Look, usually either of those options, not overly concerning, Uh, I wouldn't say I've watched Garrick super closely over the last two weeks to be like, you know, to notice that his performance had dipped off massively with that, Uh, but I know you've got some really good uh, super coach statistics for us on this as to why this week was particularly pretty, you know, like
1: I guess can ease our concerns. Yeah, a couple of numbers, Brian, just to back up that point that you made there. So for base and power stats, um, the past four weeks, 48, 44, 36, 28. So not really concerning there for Ruben Garrick. If you're an owner, you're not looking to get off him, I don't think. I, I don't have any concerns that there's been a dip in his performance despite a little bit of extra elastoplast around the calf or shin region there.
0: Yeah, because he knocked up and then yeah got forty yesterday in base and power. So you know even if you look at last week as that twenty eight as like a bit of a dip, which is you know could be fair enough. But then you know pumping out forty this week, I think. Uh, I I think Garrick personally, I would tie his super coach um, potential more to whether Manly can be competitive and put on some attacking stats over
1: the next few weeks. Hey. Yeah, very true. So I think they've got – who have got? They've got the Panthers this week. So it's probably oh, – it's almost a sit game, isn't it, when you think about um how good the Panthers are defensively. Yeah. Then they've got the Warriors, and then they've got the Bulldogs in 26, and then in 27 they've got the Tigers. So yeah. it's not a uh, – sort of I like, like the two, last two. Not, last not the great last games. Year. last two were all right. Like, yeah. you know, the Bulldogs and the Tigers might have their – end-of-season barley trips already booked by then, so they might (laughs) completely check out of those games. So they're probably not bad games to have in, but, yeah, the two coming up are probably not red hot, are they? No. All
0: right, mate, um, let's move on to the important stuff. Uh, We are into our Bundy Mixer picks. So we've spoken a big game all season. Mate, I'm on a bit of a charge, so I want to hear how you're going. Hopefully you're sort of in a similar vein of form to me. What did you do in the mixer this week, and what are your plans for next week?
1: Pretty consistent for me. I sort of seem to be sitting around like the, the 470, 484, 90 scores. And this week was no different, Brian. So 471 for me boosted Cleary and Polite at fullback. So my team was Ken McInnes, Taofar, Shania Power, who's who's my favourite, obviously. So she's never leaving my team regardless of how she scores. Uh, Nate Cleary, Katoni Stags in centre and, uh, yeah, polite at fullback there from the Titans, who's only scored, I think, 40 this week or maybe a bit less than that. So... Yeah, I left a few out there this week. I think from a hooking point of view, I think it's just going to be Cam McInnes or Damien Cook. Um, I think even more so than Harry Grant. I think Cook and McInnes seem to just rack up those those tackle numbers, which make them more attractive to have. And I think front row forward just looks like Georgia Hale is a set and forget there. She's averaging 65 or 68, I think, at front row. Um, she's one of the few middles... Who plays the full seventy minutes? I think it's only her and Smilma Taufa who play full games in the middle. There, um, the Dragons lock forward there, two and a. Alexi's two and a. She plays big minutes there, but she doesn't have the numbers to back that up as it stands compared to Georgia Hale and Smilma Bataufer. So I think front row, you just got to get one of those two in your team. They're just by far in the way the best selections from the W. I was looking at second row forward options for the women apart from. Um, you know, Shania Power, just in case I wanted to move off there. And there's not a lot that are playing the full game. So I think there's, there's a few knocking around there. Like the, the Dragon second roles are both playing. Livia Koenig has always been a favorite of mine. Is there, uh, Robbie Tetzel from the Broncos, Yasmin Clydesdale, Shaley Bent are the big candidates there who are obviously the Gillaroo's reps too. So I guess you could sort of make an argument there um, for, for some of those players, but I don't know, Shania just looks better in my team, and I just I just love what she's about, so I'm just not going to move off there. I guess for this week, Brian, Latrell, Damien Cook, and Cleary are probably just going to be in my team. I think Georgia Hale's probably the same. Um, Cailin Ponga on Sunday as a day game versus the Dogs is pretty appetizing, but I think Cleary versus Manly on Thursday is just a bit of a no-brainer. So it might be a pretty similar sort of mix-up of my team. I might have to try and get a bit creative with um you know, who's going to be there for me in the female centre wing position or the female second row forward position just maybe as a couple of points of difference there. How did you travel this week in the Mixer, mate? Tell us all about how you're kicking along there for Bunny Mix.
0: Mate, big score this week, 540. So I've gone... From the worst week ever in week one, and I was ranked 400 of 420 in our league. So I've gone from 400 to 200 last week. And now I'm ranked about 100th. So I'm on a charge, mate. I'm on an absolute charge. I boosted Hale and Cleary. So really happy with that. And pretty much, a more, boost, yeah. yeah, 100%. So I think the only difference was I had. So I went McInnes, Georgia Hale, Shania Power. I'm similar. I'm loving what she's doing in my second row. Cleary, I had. Isabel Kelly, and then had Luttrell at the back. So, uh, yeah. Look, for me, I think really similar to what you were sort of saying with it all. I think it's gonna go. T- it's gonna be really tough for me to go past Latrell against the Dragons. Even though Ponga is against the Dogs, he's still looking so good. Latrell, like, even in that game where I wouldn't have said he did a whole lot, he still scored sixty six. You know. So, and then like you know. Someone like Ponga, who is you know fantastic. He oh, that's the other thing with Ponga. He's in the halves, isn't he? So he's, he isn't. I was looking for him at fullback, but he's in the halves. So no, I can't go. I can't go Ponga over Cleary just with the kicking. No. You know the kicking meters and stuff like that. So I think that just rules Ponga out. So I think Cleary for sure. Luttrell. Yeah, it'll all my team will almost be exactly the same again next week i reckon it'll be close to it yeah. unless i can find a sneaky like second row um or center uh center matchup for one of the NRLW players i think that's what i'll spend a bit you know a bit of time on this week uh but yeah it's uh i think i've got a good i've got a good thing going with uh, i feel like i've come into my groove now and i'm on the charge going for number 1 so it's good
1: yeah i did have a little bit of a bed shit this week on the uh mixed side of point point uh point of view there brian because i think i i didn't set my team before the first nrlw game kicked off so that was oh, the game that isabel yeah. kelly scored a try and i was like oh no so i was panicking because i literally got on with like maybe a minute to go so i had to that's why i went um polite at fullback yeah, and right. stags at center because i was like well I can't really run any other better centers mm. from the W point of view. So I was like, well, I'll go the, the fullback from the Titans who's been scoring really well. Um, and Stags actually went pretty good for the Bronx because yeah, he, he was yeah. goal-kicking too. So it sort of worked out for me. But, yeah, it probably was just my boost. So I think I, I boosted Polite and she only scored, yeah, 40, I think. And then, yeah, obviously Cleary scored well. But, yeah, the fact you got on Georgia Hale there, she's just pumping out massive scores and massive minutes. She's a gun. Yeah. Genuine
0: gun. 100%. All right, mate, now hit me, Supercoach Corner, hit me with your score. You are the better bloke this week by a fair way.
1: Yeah, few chocolates for me this week in Supercoach format. So I went Joey Manu to Dan Gago this week, which oh. doesn't look like a great trade, but I'm still not that upset about it because Gag still scored 70 without much else going his way. So um, that was definitely good to see. Had the captain on Ponga this week, which was also good. He had an awesome game, Kalen Pongo. Like um it it was funny though i was listening to joey johns he was talking on one of the media channels and he's like oh you know like the tigers went on a tear in 05 and parry went on a tear in 09 and he's like what about newcastle this year are they going to go on the tear as well and i was like oh man that's a big 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 call to make because i I think they were pretty good today but they they were sort of under the pump there from the fins weren't they like that was a pretty close game
0: yeah 100 percent. yeah absolutely
1: um i don't i don't get jared hayne vibes um just tearing it up for power from eighth position, like I do see. But I tell you what, if Callum Ponga does have that sort of season in him, he is a person that could rip and tear and and get you there. He, he's that good. Like there's there's no doubt about that. Like he he could he could get red hot and he could do some serious damage on his own. Like if he's if he's fit and firing.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the keys. I'd like. Uh, Yeah, Joey's probably jumping in early, as he is probably entitled to do, being the ninth immortal and a Newcastle legend. But I just wa- would love to see the Knights sort of do it against, like do it convincingly against someone, like, mm. you know, the Finns. The Finns obviously are still premiership favourites, and so uh, well, Anyways, we know, yeah, like a win over yeah. them is, is about as good as you can get. But I, I don't know. Have the Knights got anyone of substance over the next four weeks? I, I've got a feeling
1: because that's why I wanted to get Gagai hard. is I don't think they do. Yeah, so it goes dogs, rabbitos, um, yeah. and that's at home. They they play the bunnies. So again, not a not a, the bunnies aren't like a red hot defensive team. They got the sharks at oh, home yeah. again in round twenty six, and round twenty seven is against the dragons. So no, it's not yeah. not a murderous row there if for they, the knights if, to get through. If
0: they roll over the rabbits and the sharks, I'll be. Like, I'll be on them.
1: Like, I reckon if they roll The bandwagon's going to pick up steam massively if they get home there. I
0: agree. 100%. 100%. All right. Um, Oh, yeah. What did I... I got One, two, eight, zero. Yeah, pretty boring for me. Like, I've only got one trade left. I nearly... I nearly did the exact same trade and did, like, Manu to Gagai, but I just... Yeah, I couldn't do it. And I think now I might have to do it via CNK anyway. Like, I might go CNK to Gagai potentially and then just run the gauntlet... Um, because I just don't think I can start. Um, I don't think I can start Rumer Garrick against the Panthers. I just don't, uh, and that's outside of his you know thing around his calf. I just think anyone against the Panthers at the moment, like, would you back Manly to score a try? I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, like, I really Melbourne scored what one, two tries, if that. Um, yeah. I know they weren't at full strength, but it's, yeah, just Penrith are crazy.
1: Like they're they're yeah. about Man- as Manly much looked flat there. this week mm-hmm. against the Roosters as well. Like there was just, um, I don't know the best way to describe it. I've just got like they looked tired in my brain, but they just didn't look like they had much much pep about them. I think it's just been a a year of attrition for Manly and I think there's been a few more injuries to key positions there. I think Penrith will get over the top of them pretty quick and, you know, it could be like a 40 points to four type scoreline or like there might be a, you know, a bit of garbage at the end for Manly maybe on the points front. Mm. I just I can't see them getting too close to Penrith. Like I'd, I'd hate to think what the line betting is going to be in the markets because I think Panthers will be Well, 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 heavy favourites there.
0: So I think I will get, I will have Ty Munro who I can play and they're playing the Dragons. So he's not a bad play because I need to effectively. I'll need to replace CNK, and I'll need to replace Garrick in my starting CTW. So I pretty much I didn't play Manu this week, which cost me some points, but um so I'll have Manu coming in for one of them and then the other one I'll just have to replace with either Mulatalo against the Titans if he is over his jaw injury or concussion or yeah. you know, whatever it is, or Munro. So I might be able to hold that trade At least for another, like my biggest thing, probably ideally in my mind, what I want to hold that trade for is the bunnies by, and then potentially like trade out a Cody Walker or someone like even an Alex Johnston, trade out an Alex Johnston for like a high upside center wing who's got a Couple of good matchups in the last couple of weeks, so that's in mm. in my ideal mind. But I just have a feeling in my gut at the moment that I I, I don't feel great about CNK, so that's a bit of a worry. But yeah, something I'm going to have to keep an eye on. But otherwise, guys, that's a wrap for this week. Uh, as always, if you like the pod, recommend it to a friend, review us. Uh, the reviews make a big difference to sort of getting us in front of new ears, which is really, really good. More and more people listening to the show every week, which is fantastic, even with sometimes not being too, um, you know, too many major injuries, uh, which hopefully means that people are enjoying listening us, listening to us rattle on, James. But uh, look, mate, have another good week. Uh, hopefully you can get the time off uh, daddy duties on next Saturday and we can head off to Bashup Park in uh, Norths and watch Pappy
1: run around, eh? Mate, it would be very, very, very good. But if I don't see you there, I'll see you on the internet next Sunday, Brian.
0: Love it, mate. All right, guys. Have a good week and up the mighty, mighty Redcliffe Dolphins. Suspected broken left fibula. Suffering syndesmosis. After that stem cell injury he's come back from. That's about it, mate.